You want to see the future of the aluminum industry? If you don't have a mentor, you're going to take 10 times longer to figure something out. You have to listen to the customer. Uh, what are their needs? What are their problems? Pay attention. Look around. What is your voltage? Podemos decir que somos una de las, de las empresas líderes. Thank you again for being here in another episode of Dirty Scrap, the aluminum podcast. And we here we are with uh, Julian and Rostam from Hyderabad. How are you doing, guys, today? Yeah, doing well. Thanks for having us, Julia. Oh, no. Thank you so much for making time for, for us. Um, we always try to uh, bring people that has a lot of knowledge and been in the industry for a long time. But this time is the time for the young generation that is coming for the sustainable path in the industry. So first of all, before we go in, in, in the direction of the technology and all these crazy ideas you are putting out there, I want to, to you guys to introduce yourself, uh, how you've been involved into this industry, how you went from, you know, having an idea and because at the end, I want to let people understand how entrepreneurs can become, you know, like build a company from an idea and then a concept and then boom, start going out there and being in magazines and so many different places to talk uh, with big companies and big players in the industry. So at the end, the idea is to show everyone that, I mean, it's, it's something that you can do and it's, it's doable. It's, it's not something that is just for a uh, few of us or a few of them, or right? So how your journey become what it is right now? Yeah, definitely. I can start by talking a little bit about my background. Um, can let Rosen talk about his and sort of the story of Hydrova and how we got started. But um, yeah, so I'm our co-founder and CEO at Hydrova. I studied management and physics at Georgetown. Um, but Russ and I have both always been, you know, very passionate about the environment, sustainability and entrepreneurship, having started, you know, working on a lot of different ideas in the past. We, um, in high school, um, did a lot of pitch competitions where we were pitching different business concepts, got used to public speaking, all that. Um, I started my first clothing company when I was in like eighth grade. So I've always sort of had that entrepreneurial mindset and, and wanted to start something. Um, but yeah, Rose and I, like I said, always shared that passion for sustainability and really wanted to do something in the space of climate and the environment. Um, especially now we're really seeing the firsthand effects of, of climate change and our generation is really passionate about trying to be a part of the, the solution. So um, yeah, that was really the genesis of, of why we wanted to get involved Um in the space and, and where Hydrova gets started. But uh, I can let Rosam talk more about the story too. Yeah, so I'm Rosam, Hydrova's co-founder and CTO. Um, I studied mechanical engineering at MIT, which is where Hydrova initially got started. Um, but going back a little bit farther, so like Julian mentioned, we both have a really deep stemming passion for the environment. Both grew up in California witnessed the effects of climate change for our entire lives and right now since a young age that you know that's something that that we want to dedicate our careers towards towards helping to solve so fast forward to college um during our undergraduate studies at mit and georgetown the COVID pandemic struck and we were actually uh forced to do the remainder of our studies remotely completely on zoom just like we are now and it was simultaneously then that we got a grant from mit twenty thousand dollar grant from the mit sandbox innovation fund 
uh, to begin studying the aluminum water reaction and doing the research that would eventually lead to the technology um, that we're working on at Hydrova today. So yeah, that's where we got started in this. And that research is how we ended up getting involved with dross and salt cake um, and the whole uh, aluminum recycling industry overall. Right. And how is to be exposed to this, let's say, M MIT atmosphere? Because if you go to a different countries, it's not the same, but this environment is totally different. It's, it's very like into innovation, very like into entrepreneur, uh, different type of mindset. How is to be in, involved in that environment? Yeah. So yeah, MIT has been an entrepreneurial hub for a long time and entrepreneurship is growing there as well. But it's, it's something that is becoming very prevalent in a lot of places, not, not just elite institutions, but in a lot of just scenarios, businesses, other other schools. Um, entrepreneurship is sort of taking the world by storm as a lot of people realize the incredible impact that that it can have. Right. And more sort of resources are being collected to uh, enable people to do you know, things things like we did here. Uh, but yeah, MIT has an incredible entrepreneurship ecosystem and definitely was the springboard for, for us to begin Hydrova. Right. And and how did you guys meet each other? I mean, because I can see that you are from MIT, but Julian was not in the same MIT at the beginning. So how you met each other? Yeah. So Rose and I actually went to high school together. Um, so we're both. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So we, we went to high school together in San Diego, um, which is where we then came back to um, during the COVID pandemic. And uh, yeah, always really close friends and um, worked on different projects throughout high school as well. And then, yeah, it was really during COVID. We got sent home. It was obviously a very strange time for everyone. Um, and it was what we saw as sort of an opportunity um, to, to really take a risk and, and work on new things in these very strange times. And yeah, uh, yeah, so we we sort of put our heads together while we were both back in town and uh, started the research um, that would leave to Hydroba and actually got that grant funding from MIT to help build our lab um, out here in California um, where we were doing everything remotely. So uh, yeah, it was sort of a silver lining of the whole pandemic. Right. And why dross? Uh, because dross is a byproduct from the aluminum smelters, aluminum foundries, right? More more on the people that is using different type of technology, more are related to rotary furnaces and this type of technology that you can put everything there, right? It's not a special technology to make alloys. It's more to take out the aluminum out of all these, let's say, contaminants we have in the scrap, right? Why dross? How, how you get involved into the aluminum industry? Because it's not simple. You always get there by how you guys did it. Yeah. So like, like you said, um, we sort of got involved uh, through tangentially related research on the aluminum water reaction for hydrogen production. So it was while looking at sources of aluminum to you know, produce hydrogen that we learned about dross and salt cake and all of the major challenges within the industry. So, I mean, it, since aluminum is you know one of the most important critical minerals and the most recycled mineral um, out of all of, out of all of them by far, right. um, the amount of recycling that we do is also only going to you know increase with more products like plastics being replaced with aluminum, EVs increasing demand. The whole green energy revolution is just going to require tons and tons more aluminum recycling. And what most people don't know, like like, is that the recycling process has this inevitable waste byproduct called dross that you know ends up going to landfill and can be an environmentally challenging material to deal with, um, and has traditionally sort of been the thorn in the side of aluminum recycling. So. We saw this technology as a huge opportunity to change the way the industry thinks about this waste 
and create a fully closed loop for aluminum recycling um, in which this material can be, you know, finally actually recycled one for one without without any loss. Nice. Do you know that uh, I think it was maybe two or, or two and a half months ago, I recorded an episode for, for the podcast with a company name is... Um, Gen Hydro. Do you know the company? This company is based, uh, I think, close to Philadelphia. They are very, very close to Philadelphia. And they do something very interesting. They take the aluminum scrap and they separate the aluminum scrap and they create hydrogen and aluminum for the primary sector. So it's a very interesting technology. <clears throat> and uh, hearing you guys, for me, it's like, oh, wow, you are mostly in, in, in a very similar path. Now, saying this, EVs and um, spaceship, green buildings, everything is growing right now and what we will see is aluminum industry will keep growing and growing and growing but environmental regulations in the united states are not that complicated as in europe right in europe it's a little bit different it's more complicated you need to get <clears throat> to be more accurate in everything how do you see before we go to your technology how do you see this difference between the countries and are you seeing the united states uh let's say uh, reg regulations going in the same direction as europe or not really? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, to touch on uh, your first point of aluminum industry only continuing to grow, we, I mean, absolutely agree. And we're going to need more and more aluminum, especially with, um, yeah, all these different new projects and technologies. Um, it's, yeah, it also helps, you know, lightweighting vehicles and stuff like that. These little things that we can do to, to reduce our, our carbon emissions. Um, and aluminum is an incredibly sustainable material. You know, when we recycle it, it saves 95% of the energy required to originally smelt it. It's practically infinitely recyclable. Um, but as Rosta mentioned, there is sort of just this inevitable waste byproduct of, of dross that we have to address. And up until this point, we, we don't think has been properly addressed. So uh, yeah, in Europe, um, they've got regulation in place. So that uh, material is 100% uh, that the dross and salt cake being produced does get recycled and it doesn't end up in landfill. Um, but the U.S. Um, has been a bit slower to, to adopt regulations like this. Um, but definitely we think um, that's that's something that's going to evolve in the future. We have seen, you know, improved management strategies on handling these waste. We see the EPA right. getting more involved. Um, one of our financial supporters actually is the the EPA, United States um, Environmental Protection Agency. And uh, yeah, so we think um, they're really looking towards the future and how we can, you know, really implement these more circular economy and, and clean technologies. And uh, at Hydrova, we, we really want to be the leaders um, in providing solutions to, to help realize that future. Great. And how do you see maybe all this wave that we are seeing right now related to sorting and cleaning to create less trust because at the end i think the goal is to create the less byproducts you can as much as, as you can to reduce everything and to try to give more efficiency to the aluminum recoveries in the process no matter what you do you always will create drugs but are you seeing like a dross reduction um, creation in this type of applications? Or do you think because of the increasing of the demand of aluminum and decreasing of the different companies that are growing in the same sector, you will still have a lot of dross to, you know, take care? What do you think about it? Yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a few things going on here, um, which is, yeah, there's new technologies being introduced to help like reduce the amount of dross that gets produced in the first place. And we think that's great. I mean, the, the end goal of our company is really to help bring the, these numbers down to zero one way or another. 
Um, but then you're also seeing just like you said, expansion in production overall. So if, you know, each furnace is producing less dross, but then we're increasing the number of furnaces, then, you know, the amount of dross is still going to increase. Um, and then, you know, you also have, uh, facilities with sort of older technologies, um, that, you know, might not have the resources to invest in these new upgrades, these new technologies, um, to reduce their dross impact and, and they're producing larger amounts or, you know, higher, yeah, quantities of dross in general. So um, we, we need solutions for companies like them as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we do hope, uh, you know, in the future, more technologies can be introduced to reduce the amount of dross, but uh, it is sort of just an inevitable product that is going to It is. It is. T- totally agree. I 100% agree. Now, talk to me about your technology, because in, in, in Europe, we have something similar, right? And we can we can see that people is trying to understand how to handle the dross in so many different ways, right? Uh, maybe you want to create more aluminum out of uh, out of the dross, try to keep the dross into the furnace with some different technology like uh, in-furnace dross presses and all these different stuff. How is your technology works and how this technology is, uh, let's say, helping the sustainable, sustainable path on the aluminum industry? Yeah, definitely. So I can give an overview about how it works. But first, I'll mention that the technology is very synergistic with things like uh, in-furnace dross pressing. Um, what our technology enables companies to do is leave zero waste byproducts behind. But the more aluminum metal that you can keep in the furnace at, at, in the first place, the better. Right. So so the way that our technology works is, is we essentially take the dross, separate out as much aluminum metal as we can, that's one thing I'll say is, 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 of course, the most important thing is recovering as much metallic aluminum as possible. Um, it's the most important thing for, for all the aluminum recyclers. So after recovering as much aluminum as possible, then we separate out salts and aluminum oxide from the rest of the material to be able mm-hmm. to be recycled back into industry. Um, similarly, as is done in Europe, the main innovations in that process are two pronged. One is in the efficiency of the salt removal. And then the other is in additional hydrogen generation through the aluminum water reaction, which is, of course, where where we got our start in all of this from. So for the hydrogen, any aluminum that can't be recovered, that is unable to be pulled out, that would have otherwise been wasted either in landfill or ending up in the cement or wherever the oxides end up going, mm-hmm. any of that aluminum that can't otherwise be recovered that's what we use as the feedstock for the aluminum water reaction. So we have a proprietary activation method that encourages that aluminum to oxidize and and produce hydrogen from water. And that creates pure hydrogen kept separate from any other gases um, and quantities that are that are significantly greater than you know what what you'd normally see in uh, the European processes. And then the other side is the salt removal. So one of the biggest challenges to recycling dross, especially in the US, has been uh, enabling a effective salt removal to create an oxide material that can actually be sold into cement. So the right. cement industry has very, very strict requirements on the amount of salt that they can take, and especially to produce a valuable product that's actually mm-hmm. creating value for these cement companies. Um, it's really important to be able to reach extremely, extremely low salt levels. So that's another one of the innovations of our process is enabling uh, salt levels in the end cement ingredients that are more than 10 times lower than what you'd be seeing over over in Europe. And that really enables us to create new markets for these uh, aluminum oxide rich materials that otherwise previously would would not have been able to find a home in industry and would just end up being filled. 
Right. And now that we are talking about closed loop systems, because we also have different type of closed loop system where we want to approach to the aluminum industry, mostly on the uh, aluminum transformation from scrap to a different value added product. Are you using the, the hydrogen that you are producing into the same system or what is the idea? Because Okay, I understand the oxides, I understand the aluminum, I understand the salt recycling because at the end you can keep more or less everything in the same industry, right? Like you go for the same industry, but salt, aluminum, you can keep it into the same industry, hydrogen, because I am seeing a lot of different people talking about hydrogen and aluminum smelting technologies that will, will use hydrogen as, as a combustor. Are you thinking in the same path? Are you reusing the hydrogen? Or maybe the next step is to build an equipment that use hydrogen as a source of energy and reuse everything. How is because hydrogen is fantastic? I mean, it's it's amazing, it's incredible. But how are you thinking to use this aluminum, uh, this hydrogen out of the drawers? Yeah. So the really exciting thing about being able to produce this additional pure hydrogen from the dross is that it enables decarbonization in a variety of ways. So the first, the first, uh, per, the first application that that we're thinking of for these systems to be on site with an aluminum manufacturer, basically they're paired up with one aluminum plant so that they're directly recycling their aluminum and salt and also the hydrogen. So that enables you to not have to, you know, transport and store the hydrogen right. distances, which is very difficult. Um, and it enables you to actually just directly blend the hydrogen into the natural gas stream that's feeding the furnaces. And you can blend hydrogen up to a certain amount um, without having to do any retrofits or any uh, changes of equipment there. Actually, gas grids in like Germany and in California are just already doing this. So for example, when when I go turn on my, my stove here in, in Los Angeles, there's a little bit of hydrogen there and it's, it's slightly creating slightly less emissions. So that's that's one aspect. But also, the hydrogen could be used to, you know, power the the Dross Zero system itself that that we're selling here. So this sort of uh, gives some optionality to the customer there. It's even pure enough to put into a fuel cell to create electricity. But uh, yeah, you're correct. The the initial application is direct natural gas blending at either the customer site or or our own. Right. How how dangerous to handle this pure hydrogen is is too dangerous or is is not not really. Yeah, well, it's important to have the, the common process safety standards put in place, just like any process that's dealing with hydrogen. I mean, the oil and gas industry has been using hydrogen since the dawn of time. So there's a lot of really well-developed safety standards around that. Um, so yeah, I just got to follow the, the normal standard. Right. And how much hydrogen can you take out from, I don't know, one ton of trust in your processes? It's a calculation that I, I'm pretty sure that you already have. If it's something that you can tell us or, or is it's a secret? <laughs> yeah, well, so it, of course it depends on the amount of aluminum left right. in your dross. Um, and the amount of hydrogen is, um, you know, dependent on, on how much aluminum is left in there. Of course, we recover as much aluminum metal as we can. And it's just right. what's left over that we're making hydrogen from. I will say the amount of hydrogen that you're producing is orders of magnitude greater than the other gases that normally just evolve during right. the process from the other materials decomposing. Um, but it's not so much that you'll ever have more than you'll be able to blend into the natural gas furnaces at, at your site there. So it's always within that range. Okay, that makes sense. And, and how how do you handle the other gases that are coming from uh, this process? Because it's not just hydrogen, right? And also you will have like a dangerous byproducts creating by this byproduct. So how do you handle those? I mean, I, I, I will say that is what you just said. You, you will have the common 
sense to have everything ready to, to to work with those but how do you do it because at the end it's not something that you can just show to the atmosphere right exactly yeah no everything's captured and no gases escape to the atmosphere so the other gases are as similarly done in your your some european processes captured right. put through scrubber and then also used as fuel got it how challenging being for you guys uh getting to the the, the let's say the uh the the path that you are walking right now because right now you are walking in a different path like uh, when did you start with hydrova first of all how many years ago yeah so we we started hydrova uh three years ago so it was actually during sort of the end of our junior year beginning of our senior year of, of college and then once we decided um you know we're doing some of that preliminary research and saw the opportunity decided we were going to take it on full time after graduation um, so yeah, like you said, definitely an untraditional path um, compared to you know uh, some of our some of our peers going straight out of college and right. taking other jobs. Um, so yeah, there there's been unique challenges with that, um, but also uh, just been really exciting. You know, starting your own company and sort of being able to uh, you know set your own path and and create your own direction. Um, so you know, part of that's come with fundraising. Um, you know, assembling a great team and. Uh, yeah, finding some, finding great partners to, to work with in the industry to really bring this technology to fruition. Right. And what is the next step? Yeah. So earlier this year, we completed our successful pilot of the technology with TST Inc., they're California's largest aluminum producer. Um, and right now we are sort of gearing up for our first full-scale implementation of the technology, um, which we'll be able to publicly announce at a later date. Um, but that's sort of what our main focus is right now is uh, scaling up from pilot to, to full scale of the technology, which we're really excited about. Nice. And just to get into the end, because I know you're very, very busy guys. I don't want to take much time from your side. What we can expect from the next, let's say, two years uh, out of Hydroba? And I already know that you want to scale your technology, but it's, I think it's not just related to your technology, but I am talking more about your company and about you guys, what we can expect for those next generation that are putting a lot of effort and a lot of ideas and innovation into the industry, what we can see or what we will see out of you guys. Yeah, definitely. I, th I think these next few years are going to be a really exciting time for, for the company and the industry overall, as we're sort of helping bring this technology to, to fruition. Um, so yeah, in the next few years, we're expecting to develop our first full-scale systems, um, implement those for, for customers. And, you know, looking beyond that, our goal is really to help the industry take the over 5 million tons of this material that's going to landfill every year and, and turn that number into zero. So, you know, we want to provide the solution uh, worldwide and really help the industry reduce the amount of waste that it's producing and also produce this great new source of hydrogen that can help really create that energy transition um, that uh, that a lot of companies are, are hoping for. Let me let me ask you something because something is just coming to my mind. How easy or, or, or how big needs to be a solution like your solution? It needs to be too big or we can play with your solution in different, uh, let's say, scale level or needs to be something huge or you can build something very small and scale up from there because we have a lot of different let's say smelter size companies in the us right and we have very small ones that are working very hard to get into the industry and to grow but definitely they are using the not the high-tech technology so they are producing a lot of drugs obviously initially for them will 
try to reduce the amount of draws that they're creating. But how big do you will say that is that makes sense a solution as yours to be profitable for a company like this one? Yeah. So that one of the exciting advantages of of this process is that it enables the technology to be profitable at much smaller scales than would normally be possible. So the technology is scalable and modular enough to be able to be just set up at one aluminum processor site. So mm-hmm. not a you know regional facility that's compiling waste from multiple sites, just a you know one for one um one site, one system recycling that waste directly. And that can be profitable for that company compared to you know just direct landfilling. And, and it is possible now you are saying modular, it is possible to grow the solution with the growing of the company. I mean if is is can be pre-designed to grow or I need to let's say add a new uh, a new one in order to grow. Yeah, no, it's it's modular and scalable, so it can be scaled up, and right. uh, yeah, it, it it can you know e- not only easily meet higher scales, but also uh, benefit from economies of scale and and uh, get generate even better returns when when you scale up higher. Well, nice. Well, I really appreciate your time, guys. I, I mean, it's exciting seeing guys like you. Uh, when I started this podcast, the idea was to bring people like you that has a lot of idea but don't have the whole knowledge that those old uh, engineers has. You know, 30 years, 40 years in the industry is 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 really not so easy to talk to them because they have a different point of view. But seeing you guys bringing new ideas to the whole pro- all processes is just amazing. So I really want to say thank you so much for making time for us. I hope that people will enjoy a lot this episode. Keep... Uh, Pushing on these ideas, sustainability is coming. It's, it's not an easy uh, fight, for sure. It's not easy. It's very challenging, but also it's very fun. So thank you so much for being here with us. I don't know if you want to add something else, but I really appreciate your time. Yeah. yeah. No, thanks so much for, for having us, Julio. And uh, yeah, if anyone's interested in keeping up to date with our progress, um, feel free to follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn and Twitter, sort of main sources uh, at Hydrova Tech. So um, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. Learn. And no, thank you. Thank you so much. And just wanted to add, we we love the name of the show, Dirty Scrap. Dross is definitely some, some very dirty <laughs> that we dirty, dirty. With, so <laughs> resonate yeah. with that a lot no thank you so much yeah definitely we will put all the information on the description of the video and well if someone wants to know more about hydroba these are the guys